Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. This episode has officially topped my favorite episode recording, editing, listening back to, and I am highly anticipating y'all's reaction to this lovely conversation I had with my brother, Kurt. Kurt came to visit Alexander and I for Christmas this year, and we had just the most wonderful extended weekend of quality time, long walks, long conversations about our childhood, how we experience things differently or similarly, and it was just really such a therapeutic holiday. And so on Christmas Day, we recorded a podcast together and we went all over the place. It was such a delight to hear Kurt sort of unfold a lot of things from our childhood that we really haven't talked about together and how each of our experiences were shaped by different elements of of our childhood and of our journey was. So I would love you to leave a comment in Apple Podcasts or on the Instagram post and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Like I said in the episode, this is definitely a part one of some future state part two where we could just go on and on and talk for hours had to edit this bad boy down to just over an hour, but it is packed with pure delight. So with that being said, let's get to the good stuff. I am ready. Okay. I've had enough drinks to be ready for this. Let's go. Perfect. Hello, everybody. Today we have the one and only... Oh, am I supposed to introduce myself? No, but oh. I couldn't think of what else to say. I, I feel like I say that a lot. There, Everybody is a one and only, but you are my brother. That's me. That's you. And... We are recording this on Christmas Day, so this is present for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be on this. I'm honored. <laughs> honored. It is my honor. And this goes in the background. She was napping a moment ago, but now she is awake again. And so what do you have to drink here? We are going with one of those, you know, $3 pouches of mystery <laughs> margarita mix from, from the grocery store nearest you. This one is a hurricane flavor. It's pretty good. It's Christmas classic. We had to add an extra shot of rum in there just to I make sure it was so. effective. I thought there was something. No. A little off. A little off. I, I just have straight rum. <laughs> Today we are going to go on a time journey, a spiritual journey, emotional journey maybe. Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. We did a little bit of prep ahead of time talking about what we might talk about. And we tried to save most of the good stuff for the podcast, so we'll we'll see that. But yeah, I think, we, I think we're going to have a lot of different memories about a lot of different things, so this should be interesting. It should. So for context, Kurt is almost five years younger than me, like four years and ten months. And that meant we were only ever in the same school for elementary school when I was in fifth grade and he was in kindergarten. Otherwise, we've had we have like a decent enough age gap that we didn't really experience the same stages of life until like together until we were much older. Like I feel like for me at least in the last maybe 7 years we've grown like really close and I think that has a lot to do with experiencing like you going through college and getting your first job and just navigating like adulthood, which. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's something I, I thought about a lot is like 
like growing up, like you said, we were never really in the same point in our lives, but now we've gone through a lot of the, the big milestones and now we can relate about a lot more things a lot more, I think. And us both being on different sides of the age gap, I'm sure it colors a lot of the way that we experience things and saw the world. So yeah. that should be interesting. Yeah, so you brought up something about, what was it, school or... Yeah, I was talking, I think what you're referring to is just the way that as I went through school, we went to all the same schools with the exception of a a couple years where I went somewhere else. But for the most part, I was having the same schools as you and I would go through a lot of classes with a lot of teachers that had had you as a student previously. And they would see our our last name and it's pretty distinct. So they would they would know that I was related to you. And that was always interesting. It was nice. It was a, a good... A good person to be related to, I guess. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, some expectations that came with it, maybe, but they were they were excited. The teachers were excited about it rather than dreading it, for the, as far as I could tell. Oh, so that was always good. Um, and then, yeah, even like the principal, you know, Dr. Cartwright, for sure, he, I think he had a good time, like, asking about you and, and seeing how we were similar and different, so that was always cool. Yeah, so Dr. Cartwright was our principal in middle school, and isn't he also, like, a police officer? Yeah, I don't know how that works. I guess he does it part-time or something. I know he did a lot with Disney, doing police officer stuff for them, which was cool. And he's just such a happy, like, bubbly, goofy, but also quite intimidating. Like, he can get serious (laughs) very quickly. And he's he's the nice... He's fun and nice to be around, usually, so when he flips that switch, it really it stands out, because you know how he is normally, and you know when you've upset him. It's right. very different. Yeah, and so I feel like that might be an odd experience. Like, our middle school is fairly big, probably 900 kids or yeah, so. Yeah, all of our schools are big. I talked to other people who went to other schools, and I tell them our high school is, like, what, close to... A thousand people, and it, it blows their mind. It was more than that. I graduated with 700 people. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah, four times that, but that seemed crazy. But yeah, I mean, compared to these, like, in Georgia, these several hundred people, high schools, it, it's got to be completely different. Yeah. So I guess, considering the size of our middle school, it's kind of odd that we got to know him so well. Yeah, he was really good at, at that, about getting to know all of the kids, or from our perspective at least. Yeah. Um, he seemed to really go out of his way, which is cool. And I know all the teachers really loved him too, which has got to be pretty special. Yeah, I think, I, I guess there was probably like honors breakfasts or some sort of some, like instances where there's a smaller group of people that maybe we spent more time with him. I don't know, I was just like looking back on it, something that... I guess it's weird, but at the time it seemed like totally normal and cool. But so you, I guess we are both went through gifted programs. And so for me, that was like one day a week in elementary school, I would go to a different school for the day and have like a classroom with maybe five other people. And we would have a different type of curriculum and then come back to normal school. And for you, for you said fourth and fifth grade, you went to a different school altogether. Yeah, I was I was going through a lot of my documents the other day, just kind of reorganizing everything. And I found some more information about it because I was I was a little kid. I didn't really know what was happening. All I knew is suddenly I was going to a different school with this small class. But it looked like it was just some kind of program that mom and dad put in an application for me for. And I got in and it was something like, I don't know, 10 person class, maybe where we had all these classes together and just kind of went in depth on a lot of stuff. There was a lot of like just other skills that you wouldn't learn in normal, what is that, elementary school. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of like public speaking stuff, which was, I think, pretty helpful and just kind of went a little bit deeper on a lot of stuff. But uh, but yeah, that was my fourth and fifth grade. So I went to the same elementary school with as you did up until third grade. And then I went over to a different school for a couple of years, which was kind of tough having to uh, this being a, a younger kid and having to say goodbye to a lot of friends at that time it seemed like such a huge deal I ended up meeting up with a lot of them again back in or when I went on to uh, middle and high school but at the time that was it was definitely weird to be going off to this other school for a little bit but you know it was I really appreciated that our parents they wanted a lot for us and they they put in the work to 
give us really good opportunities. And I think a lot about how with you being the older kid, I think you kind of set the bar and then they realized that their kids are awesome. And then <laughs> by the time I was going through the same stuff that you were starting to go through, I think they were, they had a little bit more prep and knew what to expect. And for that reason, I think they were able to get me into even more good opportunities, which, yeah, I think I just had the luck of the draw of coming second in that regard. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, I, I totally agree that I think our parents like they come from a very different background than I would say that I've known about or learned about from any of my other friends' parents. So like mom grew up on a farm with seven kids in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And dad, like I don't really know a lot about his childhood, but grew up, you know, middle class Ohio, like fairly rural, maybe not farm, but like not urban. And yeah, it, it was definitely it had to have been an adjustment for them. Yeah, uh, they moved down to Florida what, pretty soon before you were born. Is that right? And they moved down to Florida in 1988. And then I was born in 1993. And so yeah, they moved to Orlando, Florida. So completely different than where they grew up and where they're from. And then on top of that, having kids and who would then ha- go on to have a totally different childhood than they would have than they had. I'm, I imagine they had, like, no idea what, like, the possibilities were, even when it came to diving. When we moved into a house with a pool and I started just, like, jumping off the side, it was around the same time of the 2000 Olympics. And we were watching, of course, diving, and that was the year that Laura Wilkinson from the United States won gold medal. And... My parents were like, oh, is that something that is interesting to you? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And <clears throat> and again, luck would have it that our, you know, like God put our family in a position where there was an Olympic dive, Olympic caliber, I would say, diving team where in Orlando, so 25 minutes away from our house where both of our coaches, both of my coaches were former Olympians and everybody if you basically stuck stuck with it like not that if you were good enough to stick with it but I think even if you just had the drive or the interest to stick with it like everybody who I would say 90% of everybody who was a senior and still diving on the team had a scholarship whether it was to like a top 10 NCAA school or even like a top 25 everybody like I don't know I'm trying to describe how how unique the program was but the fact that we just sort of happened upon that you know like who would have ever thought so yeah it's something that I again as a kid you don't really notice these things but it is kind of crazy how all that worked out and it came from something so small and I definitely want to talk more about sports but another thing you you said made me think did you So as you said, our parents moved down from Ohio before either of us were born. And for that reason, we didn't really have any kind of extended family anywhere near us. And I was wondering what you thought about, like holidays, for example. A lot of people, it's this big family gathering with all these extended family, and we never really had anything like that. And Yeah, I can't remember if you were born yet, but there there was one year where... We flew to Ohio for Christmas, and I thought it was so bizarre to go to my grandparents' house for Christmas. It was cold, it was kind of dark, and like the night, the day, the nights were much longer there, it felt like. And I had all of these cousins that were basically strangers. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was odd, where that's probably very normal for people with larger families who are all in the same town. And so I guess having Christmases or like Thanksgivings or Easter's or whatever as just a family of four and not really going to see family, I didn't really know any different. Right. I feel like I talk to people with these bigger families, with these bigger gatherings, and they're like, oh, that's unfortunate or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. It's, It's all I've ever known. And I always had fun during the holidays. But I wonder if it does color the way I think about holidays. We were talking yesterday about how I was never really that interested in Thanksgiving, but maybe for these families where it's this big deal, you see these people that you don't see that often, maybe that that adds a lot. Maybe that's part of why 
I never got that into it, but yeah, there was a Thanksgiving or two also where we went up to Canton, Ohio, to see like Dad's head of the family, and so I think like our dad only has a sister, but I think his dad has had lots of siblings, and so we have a huge Italian extended family up in Ohio that we don't even know. But I just remember those those few Thanksgivings. It was like the stereotypical massive Thanksgiving on like fold up tables in a basement and just like all of these loud Italian happy like jolly people and that was also in contrast to the Christmas I just described where mom's side of the family is very German stoic like not unfriendly but just different and both of those I guess both of those experiences were so bizarre to me that, like you said, we didn't know any better. But I I think that now as an adult, I enjoy, like, this is probably the best Christmas I've had in my adult life where it's you are hanging out at our house and we didn't really have any expectations as far as gifts go. Like, we decorated, finished, finished decorating the tree yesterday and went to church all together and we've just been hanging out today and um I guess like that quality that rich quality time of like I guess intentional conversation um is something that I really value over gifts or big to-dos or being around a lot of people maybe that maybe that mirrors what it was like growing up I don't know yeah that's interesting this is another thing where we're different because I I I don't remember any of these trips that you're describing it might have been before you were born it could be yeah I I feel a little sad that I missed out that sounds like a good time but yes this this Christmas has been amazing it is really nice when there's no pressure and it's just about hanging out and, and enjoying the time together with the family but yeah I do sometimes wish that I could have known the extended family a little bit more just to have that experience i feel like it's a common experience that we didn't have as much but yeah uh, no i i still loved all the holidays growing up it was a really special time i think yeah. about it all the time yeah even i guess like the only taste i've had and you probably have had similar experiences with like alexander has a pretty big family who's all in mobile alabama and we've had a few whether it be Easter, Thanksgiving, or Christmas, whatever, where everybody is all together. And as adults, like, also I will say, like, his cousins are much closer in age than our cousins are. So my mom is the youngest of seven. And my, the closest, I think, cousin we have is 10 years older than me. So, like, 15 years older than you. So, again, like, having tons of family, it's it would still be really hard to relate to. But in contrast... Alexander's family those cousins are all really close in age and and spent summers together in Mobile and so just like a completely different experience of extended family being much closer but it seems like really lovely as an adult now though I feel I think that the feelings I have with our close friends are similar to like what they would have with their cousins. Yeah. And I was going to say now that I'm adult graduated from college and kind of living in adult life, I had a pretty big Friendsgiving this year and it was, it was amazing. And it's what I always imagined a big family get together would be like just a lot of people. I, a lot of them, I didn't really know that well. They were friends of friends, but just everyone there having a good time and being together. And it was, it was a really good time. And I, and I feel really lucky that I can, you know, now I'm at the point in my life where I can make those experiences for myself and it's been really special. So I look forward to keeping on doing that as I continue to get older. You have an event in next, like the week after. We're going to try and have a similar event for Christmas this, this next week or so. I'm a little skeptical. I feel like we needed to make it happen before the holiday because I feel like after the holiday everyone's already moved on and maybe it loses some of the magic but i guess we'll find out yeah you should I'll make it like themed around vision boarding or something and everybody has to come and share like one new year's resolutions or something yeah i don't know new year's resolutions are kind of cheesy but yeah, I w- like something they're thankful for in the last year and something that they're looking forward to in the new year yeah 
don't know. Yeah, I feel I'm the <laughs> I'm the one in my friend group who has to plan all these things because if I don't if I don't plan things, they're never gonna happen. So <laughs> can you tell audience that we are related? <laughs> and it's interesting because I never really thought of myself as that kind of person, but just compared to the rest of the friends, that's my role. So. And I'm fine with it, but I don't know, it's just funny, like, I I do, it is nice in the sense that I get to make things the way I want them to be, because I'm the one who's willing to figure it all out, so there's that, but but yeah, that should be a good time. It only takes one time of doing, like, it only takes one time of having a great execution for everybody to just be like, you're the guy, you're the planner. Yeah, I think everyone's super excited for continued Friendsgivings, it was, it was a really good time. Did you say that you hosted something once a month with people maybe not once a month religiously but there's i have a bunch of different events that i try and put on every now and then i have a few co-workers that we get together and play a, a board game every month or so i've been doing a lot of like hosting dinner party type things where we make different things we had like a pizza night where we made our own pizzas and, and a pasta night that was similar so i've been trying to do a lot of that kind of stuff just keep everyone coming around it's harder to make new friends as an adult, so I'm trying to hold on really tightly to the friends that I have, and, you know, people are moving away slowly, so, you know, I've got to make the most of it while I can, I suppose. Yeah, we went through that. It was about five years ago when all of our friends moved on to, like, their next job and left Columbus or left where we were working, and I don't know, I have abandonment issues which maybe we can get into later i wonder if you remember this book but so all of our really close friends now live in atlanta and chattanooga and so it takes effort and intentionality to get back together but i will say like those friendships are ones that you really don't have to see each other very often Mm -hmm. for them to feel like rich you're picking back up exactly where you left off but do you remember this book so our mom would read to us every single night and as we got older the books would get more mature go from you know picture books to harry potter yeah to harry potter yeah and did she ever go back and start over or did you i don't think she read harry potter with me i don't remember what we would read but i remember her talking about reading harry potter with you yeah did you read laura ingles wilder Mm -hmm. i don't know Maybe if you describe it, I might remember, but I don't don't Uh, think so. It's like Little House on the Prairie. No, I don't think so. Okay. There was, when we were like little, little, and I feel like we were in your room for some reason. I can't remember. But there's this book of a little lamb, and the little lamb loses its mom, and it's all alone, and it's sad, and it's scared. And I would like cry whenever we got to the page, and like mom knew it, and so she would like, flip to the page, and I would start crying, and then she would flip it back. She, like, tortured me with this book. That's awesome. And, and then she would flip it over, and I would start crying, and she would flip it back. And so now, like, <laughs> this is an exasperated, like, feeling of abandonment and loss and loneliness. Oh, Same goodness. reason I hate Bambi. I think that's the worst movie of all time. So if you think if you found that stumbled upon that book and opened it to that page i would burn it you think so yeah i would want to cry yes you would start crying oh for sure for sure no i don't remember that at all that sounds awful oh (laughs) it was awful this is the same mother (laughs) who i the night before my like eighth birthday party or eighth birthday we had zucchini for dinner do you remember that oh i remember all about the zucchini story yeah because it's been told so many times and I don't remember the event itself. I remember the story. The story. I feel like that's how it is with a lot of things in our lives. Like yeah. I'll I'll have heard about it through context or remember it through context, but I don't remember the original event. I wonder how many of our memories are like made up memories. Oh, all of them probably. All of them. Memories aren't real. <laughs> no, memories are not real. We live in the what is it? I don't know where you're going with the this. matrix. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the night before my eighth birthday or ninth birthday, I don't know, tenth. We had zucchini as a vegetable for dinner, and it was terrible. And I didn't want to eat it. I thought it was disgusting. And our parents were like, if you don't eat the zucchini, you don't get any birthday presents. So I'm, like, choking on the zucchini with milk and, like, gulping it down. But then it, like, comes up a little because you have a gag reflex. It's just terrible. And the first gift I open on my birthday the next day, my mom had wrapped a zucchini. Did they wrap it creatively so you didn't know what it was ahead of time? Like, was the zucchini shaped as you were unwrapping it? I feel like it was. So you should have known. You should have been ready. 
I that's well, rough though. I you would never think that you would get a vegetable for your birthday. And so I'm like unwrapping this thing and I just go, what is this? Because <laughs> I thought that's all I got for my birthday was a zucchini. So I don't really remember them doing this kind of thing to me. Or maybe I just uh, blew it off more easily than I think you, you just didn't react. Yeah. Maybe I, I didn't give them the pleasure of it, of reacting, reacting the first few times. So maybe they gave up by yeah. the time I would have remembered it. The smart one. But yeah, I think there's a lot of that where I just don't remember a lot of my life with you living in the house. Because by the time you moved out, I was, let's see, that would have been like seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. And I barely remember middle school. So yeah, I think you have a lot more memories of, up, of us growing up together than I do, which I'm sure colors the way we think about our childhood yeah I think I feel good about that because I feel like there are things that I remember that I deeply regret that were either accidents or I was like mad at you for some stupid reason and like overreacted (laughs) and I'm glad that you don't have those memories hopefully Hopefully, ingrained in your being there is one time we were talking about this earlier today where it's a long story and it's complicated, but basically it was my fault that you hit your head on the side of the pool and you were crying, stop crying. You had this big welt on your head and I just felt so bad. Was this the home pool or the Y pool? No, the home pool. Okay. No, I don't remember that at all. But when you were telling me that story earlier, it reminded me of the time where I pushed the coach into the pool. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> and at the time, so basically the issue with this was he would push me into the pool all the time. And one day I decided to get revenge, but it turned out he had a phone on him. And this was back in early 2000s when phones were expensive yeah. and it was, and not waterproof, of course. So basically my parents had to buy him a new phone and it was a big deal and I got into trouble. And at you the did? time I was... I assume I did. At the time, I was like, I don't understand what I did wrong. He did this to me a million times. Why is it a big deal that I did it back to him once? But uh, yeah, apparently that was not a good thing to do. But uh, I remember that happening. I wonder if he remembers that. <laughs> I don't know. I when... see him pop up on Facebook every now and then. wonder what really? he's up to. Yeah. We should... Uh... Yeah, we were, we were talking about sports earlier. I think this will be interesting because we had very different sports journeys throughout our lives. So you, yeah, you did diving pretty much the whole time with a brief hiatus in the crew during your, what, that was freshman year? Mm-hmm. I did diving for a little bit. We were talking about this earlier, and I can't remember exactly when I started and stopped, but after I stopped diving, I ended up kind of just bouncing around to a bunch of different sports, did basketball for a short time, and then I did football for a decent amount of time, and then once I hit middle school, I started doing school sports, so I did track, I did, I guess that was the main thing I did. I didn't know that. In middle school. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. It was with my one teacher, Mr. Cycle, who I'm still really good friends with to this day. He taught us in middle school and... I didn't have him. He must have been new. I think he was pretty new. I mean, he's a young guy, so I wouldn't be surprised. But basically, it's, it's this teacher that I had him in middle school for a bunch of classes with a close group of friends that I still keep in contact with. And he... We, we all just got to know him really well. He taught us for... I think like four or five different classes. He coached a couple different sports and still to this day, uh, a a big friend group um, and I, we all go down to Orlando every year and we all hang out again. We go to Halloween Horror Nights together. Yeah, we talked over at Thanksgiving. If you, what's his first name? Jason. Jason, if you ever, (laughs) like all of these 25 year olds calling somebody, somebody, he's probably what? He's not 40? that much older than... Yeah, I think he's late 30s. But yeah, so when we... Once we graduated high school, I guess, he was like, you know, you can just call me Jason. And we, we tried it on for size, and it just didn't work out. It, it felt wrong. But anyway... How did um, you keep in contact with him through middle through high school? Well, we, we had been doing the Halloween Horror Nights every year. That was the main <sighs> reason that we kept in contact. Halloween Horror Nights is an event down in Orlando where they... They have all these studios that they use for filming. So during Halloween, they turn them into haunted houses and you walk through them. So we all really wanted to go when we were in middle school, but uh, we needed a chaperone because we were young. And uh, his wife didn't want to go, but he wanted to go. So he was like, hey, I could I could be a chaperone. And he talked to our parents about it and got the okay from everyone. So we went in eighth grade was our first year, I believe. It could have been seventh grade. 
But uh, I can't believe they let you do that. I can't either. And that's another thing I was talking about earlier where I had the, the privilege of being the second child. And that yeah. I got to do a lot of stuff like that. I remember when I came home from college and it must have been, it was my junior year, I think. And I came home for like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. And I, of course, was 21. Mm-hmm. I think I know where you're going with this. I don't know, whatever, however old you are in mm-hmm. school where you're 21. So maybe That's probably senior junior year. year. It you doesn't matter. school around 18, so three years, yeah. Either way. I came home and I wanted, like, a glass of wine or something. And then mom and dad were like, oh, Kurt, do you want some? And my head whipped around. It's like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. They would have never even considered underage drinking they didn't i mean we had we would have like small sips of wine during like spaghetti nights or whatever yeah but no i see what you're saying though and but it was like something like fireball where they're like does kurt want a <laughs> oh, fireball yeah. shot well, mom, like, mom went through her fireball phase yeah where she was bless. The fireball. well because she didn't drink i don't remember her drinking not once growing up yeah i i never really paid attention but i can't remember if i think back on it but uh, yeah, and I wonder sometimes how much of that was because I was the second child and how much it was because I was a guy and you were a girl. Interesting. Like the Halloween Horror Nights, for example, is, is a good, like they wouldn't let you go with a guy teacher probably. I I think if it was a big friend group. Maybe. Maybe. But I think if it was, like even when I was dating Ryan in high school, there were a lot of things that were like overkill in terms of how strict they were Hmm. and i feel like you probably got away with a lot more dating girls in high school maybe um but anyway back to sports (laughs) (laughs) so i was middle school i did that and then yeah i did football for a while and then once i started high school i did crew and that's what i stuck with the most and i probably would not have done that if it wasn't for you having done it for a little bit in high school but it ended up being awesome i met a ton of great friends one of them lives in Atlanta now, and we're still, like, best friends, hang out all the time. But yeah, we were talking a little bit earlier about just having children do sports in general and how we feel about it. Part of where the conversation was going was using it as, like, an investment in their future for college. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have other feelings about it. Yeah, so I guess backing up a little bit, I did diving from age 7 to 22 and I got to a point when I was obviously like I won't say I'm naturally talented or naturally gifted by any means but I worked hard enough at it to be good enough to where it got to the point where mom and dad were like okay either you do this either you you can't quit now basically like you're paying for college whether you want to pay for it out of your own pocket or whether you want to get a scholarship for diving and that was when I had taken those six months off to row in high school and I loved rowing like there's no better feeling than being out on the water and just pulling back and knowing that you propelled yourself forward it's just mm, chef's kiss (laughs) oh it's so good So, that feeling, like, I loved rowing, but not nearly as much as diving, and I had also put so much more time and effort into that, that it was a little bit more straightforward, and I think in general, like, Northeast School's crew is pretty, like, rowing is pretty intense, but I think in general, like, a diving scholarship would have been more attainable than any sort of rowing scholarship, and I don't feel like our high school rowing team had... I mean, like they that were, yeah, they same were transfer rate. They were small. They were relying on like a shoestring budget. They they were doing the best they could, but yeah. they did not have the resources that this TOD had. Um, yeah. The diving team was just a lot more investment there. Right, and so diving is an individual sport where you are judged on your performance. You you can't rely on team members to score points or whatever it might be. And in contrast, you, as a rower, you're rowing, you know, fours and eights. Did you ever do doubles? I did. I did a pair, which is a pair and a double. It's both two people. It depends on if you, each person has one oar or two oars. So I did a pair, which meant we each had two oars. But that doesn't really matter. But anyway, yeah, it was a different experience because 
not only was it just two people compared to four or eight, but you also didn't have a coxswain who's the person who steers the boat. So it's a lot more accountability, or it's just more to keep track of. As a rower, you have to also be keeping yourselves going in a straight line, and it makes a big deal if you start to veer around a little bit. You're going to lose a lot of efficiency there. So, and it was just like with it just being you and one other person, you each had complete like you know what you're doing. Everything else is this one person. So like each of you knows exactly where the slack is if there's any slack. So you're just really accountable, and that was definitely pretty cool. Mm. But yeah, I did that just my senior year. I was in that. Otherwise, it was all big boats. Okay. And so, I w- yeah, I remember as a freshman seeing the seniors go out in pairs and or doubles, whichever it was. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that looks so cool. <laughs> but it also, like, isn't it so much easier to tip over? Yeah, it was... It was did you was, ever tip over? Not in a pair. I think I had a four flip once, which is kind of <laughs> crazy because they're generally pretty sturdy. It must have been a rough day on the water. Yeah. I have a little piece of heat blanket saved in my among my documents from the time that we flipped over in like December and it was Florida so it couldn't have been that bad but uh, yeah it was it was a very cold day if I remember right oh that's cute so yeah I guess like taking those two experiences my perspective like if I had children you know they were three or four I would start putting them in some sort of whether it be ballet or soccer I would have them try different sports and if they completely hated it I wouldn't make them stick with it but I think like a year or two years is a long enough time to like show dedication and really know if you like it or don't like it but I think I don't know if it would have to be a hundred percent sports but I would want my kid to be in something that took up a substantial amount of time outside of school that made them, you know, self-improve. Yep, I have a lot of thoughts about this. We were talking about this a little bit earlier today, so it gave me some time to think. I think where what I value out of having a kid do sports is I think it promotes a lot of really good work ethic, which I think is definitely one of each of our strengths. I think our parents did a really good job of instilling that in us. And then the other thing is time management. I think that was really valuable. I would spend two and a half, like with crew, which is what I remember the most because I did it the longest and most recently. That was two and a half hours every day after school. So on top of your whatever, seven hour school day, you have another two and a half hours accounted for. And that meant you had to budget your time a lot better. And I think that was really valuable skill, especially when it came to college. I know going to Georgia Tech, a lot of people kind of floundered when they first got there because it's a pretty tough school, tougher than, you know, high school by far, but tougher than some other colleges too and people just don't know how to handle it and they completely lose it but I took it in stride it was just fine I was able to do a lot of extracurriculars even while I was there and was able to manage it all because of the skills that I picked up by having all these extracurriculars that I was obligated to put my time towards so what I think he won't what Kurt won't tell you is that he is a boy genius so you say that all the time, but I, I, again, I feel like a lot of what I've been able to achieve has just been by following the example you set and by having the advantage of just like, you know, learning a little bit from what you did and, and how you uh, succeeded and failed and being able to, you know, adjust my own course that way. I, I like the saying, it's like, what is it is like it's really valuable to learn from other people's uh, failures not that not the failure part but just like the path <laughs> I think I'm I think I am good at that about watching other what other people do seeing how it works out for them and adjusting my own actions to to match that yeah I mean you know so we did it's but you also like, got perfect standardized test scores and was like valedictorian and like straight A's through college I, what was I going to say? Through mechanical engineering with a computer science minor. <laughs> like, that's that, that's not just observing and redirecting. <laughs> like, that is pretty incredible. Well, I appreciate it, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, I've only ever been me, so it's hard to, like, I can't say <laughs> what I'm doing wrong or right, but I do my best. And, and, again, I think that the best thing our parents did for us was just teach us how to work really hard yeah. And dedicate ourselves to things. And I I feel like I'm appreciating that more and more as an adult. Like, now that I interact with our parents, 
now that I am an adult, I see what they are like. And I just didn't notice as a kid. Like, I just didn't realize how smart, like, whenever I talk to mom, like, she, the thing she says, it just kind of blows my mind. I'm like, like, especially considering her background, like, she didn't have the resources that they gave to us. Like, she grew up on a farm, like you said, and just like, she's so smart. And it just kind of blows my mind. And I never realized that growing up, but I'm sure. I think she's also just incredibly curious and interested in everything from like watching a octopus <laughs> navigate through a maze as part of like a rehabilitation to go back into nature and then she's all like on the other side she'll be watching youtube videos of restoring a 1100 AD castle in France and like restoring it the same way it would have been at the time she just is so curious and so unbiased I guess as far as what she you know would learn and I think her curiosity has propelled continuous improvement and like continuous learning and that's something that I see now that I didn't really realize then you got to get her on an episode let her tell her story. I know but okay, so what were we talking about earlier? There was something about like hard work and like seeing seeing them as adults oh, now. Nice. I think mm-hmm. as a child, I, I I'm curious what your take is on this, and it's sort of like a sensitive topic where I felt like a lot of love was received conditionally. So based on my performance, I would be praised or loved or whatever and like if things didn't go so well it was like pretty serious consequences and there were specific points in time where I vividly you know remember trying like really trying my best and you just have an off day and that was met with like pretty harsh criticism and so I think a lot of what drives me is probably different than what drives you where I'm very driven from external stimulus and not necessarily... I don't know. I I, want to hear what you have to say. So is this through sports or like academics? Okay. Sports. So, yeah. So this is kind of where our paths differ quite a bit, I think, because pretty early on, it seemed like the sports path was not going to be where I ended up for college, at least. I guess basically when I stopped diving, it was like, okay, well... I'll I'll continue to do sports for all the reasons I said before, but I don't think they ever expected me to go to school for sports. So maybe the pressure was less for that reason. And it ended up working out pretty well, you know, from their side. Hopefully the sports I was doing were a little more, you know, less expensive. They were using the, the diving as a way to get into college. They were willing to put more resources into it. A lot of travel, especially. I do remember that growing up, just going out of state all the time for these meets and everything. Whereas now that I'm not expected to do sports for college and we're not putting as much resources towards it, it kind of balanced out. So yeah, I don't think I felt that as much as you might have. Yeah. Do you feel like they put pressure on you to perform at all? I feel like I probably just met their expectations most of the time. So I, I didn't have to worry about it too much. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like... So what I've heard is in general, is that you want to praise the children for the effort that they put in, not necessarily the results. And I think we were both really good about always putting the effort in. So for mm-hmm. that reason, I hope that they would praise that. But honestly, I don't I don't really remember. But the results were there too, because we're, we both put in the effort and it, it led to good results. I don't yeah. know, it's tough, to, it's tough to say. But would you say as an adult, you're intrinsically motivated? Yeah, so I want to talk about this too. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Just the way that we approach life now and, and the way that we approach our careers, I think is pretty different, surprisingly different, considering I, I feel like we were raised, like we had a pretty similar path up until the end of college, basically. And I feel like now we, we approach life a little bit differently. So that path being, we went to the same schools with same the exception schools, of the two years. Still, we both did sports, although you were more focused on the one sport and I, I was, I kind of bounced around a little bit. 
But yeah, both same parents. Same parents, <laughs> obviously. Academics wise, like same oh, yeah. same level of rigor, same dedication to it. We both did mechanical engineering. Both did, yeah, both did that. Although we did end up in pretty different fields, which I find pretty interesting. Like still mechanical engineering for both of us, but the the things we do day to day is pretty different. Yeah. But I I think the only reason I did mechanical engineering well two reasons number one our cousin Julie did mechanical engineering and that was the first time I ever learned like what that was and she went to Ohio State and she was like our cool older cousin who was like a girl engineer and so I thought that was pretty incredible and then also I remember seeing like our our physics teacher showed us a black screen with little white dots and if you scrolled over the white dots there are satellites and that was when I was like oh I'm gonna go make satellites when I grow up or like I'm gonna go to outer space or whatever yeah I remember but that you, was, were, you were you were interested in aerospace for a long time yeah and that was the same time though that like the 2008-2009 recession happened and the you know like lasting effects from that so I figured I'll just do mechanical engineering and then I can go into aerospace after that, which, like, I'm there now. It's, like, kind of a crazy turn of events, but... Well, you also had some scholarships get open to you through mechanical, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I... We... At least I grew up with my parents telling me that I should do engineering. I always had a lot of interest in building things with Legos or, or blocks or... Puzzles. Puzzles or rolling up little pieces of paper and attaching it to different things and disassembling like a pen to see how it worked and all these things and I didn't know anything about anything I was six years old or whatever but my parents were always like oh this is sort of engineering you should go into engineering I was like okay sounds good so I just kind of went with that throughout high school and when it time came time for college again I knew I was interested in engineering but didn't know much beyond that so did a little bit of research saw mechanical is super broad Basically, you can go on to do anything if you start with mechanical. If you switch to something else, you don't lose very much time or progress or anything. So, so I said, okay, that sounds good. So I started mechanical, ended up going to Georgia Tech. I don't know if we talked about that yet. We can we can talk about that too, how we ended up where we are. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I started off mechanical and then started doing the major specific classes and was doing a lot of like prototyping, designing things, building things, really loved it. So I stuck with that, didn't see any reason to change. And uh, now I'm, I'm an R&D engineer, so I, I do a lot of new product design and a lot of prototyping. I get to work with my hands a lot, which I really like. I get to be super creative, do a lot of problem solving. So it all worked out really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as choosing the college goes, I want to know, I guess I know kind of how it worked out for you. You were, you were having to go more through the sports scholarships and stuff, so that kind of informed where you were looking and everything. As far as my story goes, I, I just wanted to get out of Florida. I wanted to kind of explore a little bit, be on my own a little bit. I also just honestly just really didn't like the weather in Florida. I just wanted to get out of the heat. And on still, every time I go home, I'm like, surely it can't be as bad as I remember. And then I get home and I open my car door and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is just as bad as I remember. It's awful. I'm very happy to be out of Florida. Yes. But anyway. Well, people so, are like, oh, we're taking our kids to Disney. I'm like, why? Yeah, well, why would you do that? <laughs> fine for a weekend, maybe, but yeah, it is still. nice to be on. But, so yeah, I started touring and just kind of looking up, hey, what are some good engineering schools? I saw Georgia Tech come up. Um, I went to, I did a tour of Auburn because you had gone there. I did a tour of OSU because our parents had spent some time there. Um, a few other colleges, but. Princeton just, and Yale. Yeah, well, those didn't, those didn't pan out anyway. But, but yeah, you know, you got to shoot your shot. But anyway, exploring Georgia Tech, it just, I really liked the campus. It was right in the middle of Midtown Atlanta. So if you go off campus, you're right in the, the middle of the city. You can go to a lot of cool like restaurants or venues for, for music or shows or anything you want to see. But then if you go onto campus, it's it feels completely different. You're isolated. There's a ton of trees and green spaces and it's very peaceful, very safe. And it was just like a really cool balance of like being in a major city where you could do anything you want or also be in a a pretty quiet, like student centered area, which is really peaceful. And just everyone that I met and talked to there during my visits was they were all super interesting, had really different backgrounds and 
everyone was just so smart and like had done such incredible impressive things and it was just it, it felt awesome to be there so I applied there and I got in and I remember the day that I got like the results of me getting in I I got the email saying I got in I was like oh okay cool to me I, I didn't even think that much about it but my parents were like really excited and I didn't realize until later on like how low the acceptance rates are they were in like the 20% or something I just really? kind of assumed I would get in but yeah it was not I had like a lot of a, a few friends in high school with me that applied and they did not unfortunately get in I just kind of took it for granted but apparently yeah it was I got luckier than I thought I did but yeah, yeah it worked out really well but but yeah what was your experience with choosing Auburn there's a process the process has changed since but the process as it was when I was going through the system I'll say was your junior year there's like a day between your junior and senior year of high school in that summer where coaches can begin recruiting you actively and that's when the phone calls start of hey I want you to come on a recruiting trip to visit our school I've been you know the college coaches of course watch all of the USA diving national events or really competitive zone events which are you know qualifying events for nationals and some college coaches also have a club team to make extra revenue and so like college coaches might be at junior events as well you can also as a junior meaning 18 and below compete in senior events and a lot of college kids would go to these senior events over the summer to stay competitive or just to practice competing and so the day that coaches are able to start calling you 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 know the second half of the summer you start to get your recruiting trips lined up and you only have five recruiting trips I only ended up taking four but I went to Auburn and then I went to Georgia Tech second, I think, LSU third, and then I missed my senior homecoming to go to Ohio State. <laughs> and Auburn just felt like home. I'm curious how things might have been different if Auburn wasn't the first school that I went to or if it wasn't like the 2010 football season where we ended mm. up winning the national championship. I'm curious how things might have been different, but that's, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember where I went first. I don't I don't remember the order that I visited schools in having that much of an impact on me. Yeah, the the two that stood out the most in my mind were Georgia Tech and Cornell. Mm. And I you know, I applied for Cornell and that didn't work out, but I don't think that those were in any kind of order or anything, so Did you have to put down like did you do any of the early admission stuff? Yeah, what I do is I think early to yeah. I forget what the difference is between early decision and early admission. It's early decision, I think. Well, it's two different things. Mm-hmm. One means if you get in, you have to go there. Mm-hmm. One means it's just it's non-binding, but you get in a little earlier. I don't remember, but um, yeah, I'm, I I'm super happy I ended up where I ended up. It ended up being excellent for me and still um, within driving distance from home. Still within driving, not that far. The weather was nicer, but still, like, not super cold in the winter. And then all the stuff I said earlier. Yeah. But uh, So going back to what you, I think, were starting to say is, like, at, since college has ended, we are two... It seems like we're two very different people. Yeah, let's get into this. Okay, so, because I want to see what your perspective is. So, okay, up until I graduated college, I feel like we had a very similar path. We both busted our ass pretty hard during school but now that I'm out of college I guess it kind of felt like to me the whole time school was the means to an end of them being a good stable job that was financially rewarding and and fulfilling and satisfying and other than that it was a means to support my life and just enjoy enjoy my time here for a good time, not a long time. Although I'm also here for a long time. Yeah, Kurt wants forever. to be uh, 102. That's the goal. <laughs> we gotta live to uh, live through three centuries. I was born in 98, so 102 will get me there. You can. But do anyway, it. 
You're going to get to 102 and be like, I waited around for this. <laughs> for this, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good bit, but maybe not worth the, the juices, not worth the squeeze, perhaps. But anyway, so now I You know, I you can myself... still see the third century when you're in heaven. It's true. So here I am. You know, I graduated, although I did graduate 2020, December 2020. Mm. So it was not a, a great time to be graduating. I had an internship canceled and a full-time job offer revoked due to different COVID shenanigans. So that was, it was a very stressful time. Uh, I ended up taking a job that I didn't really care about. It was not really engineering. I did that for, I guess, six months or so until I found this other job that was a little bit better. And, uh, and that was, it was a decent job, but I didn't really enjoy the work. I, it was not really like designing or creating anything. It was a lot more just working with people who sold equipment and was that and the in and out job this yeah this was a i was designing manufacturing lines but really i was just like sourcing different pieces of equipment and laying them out in a in a way that made sense there also would have been a ton of travel which i do like traveling for work but this would have been like months at a time away from home and traveling to these places in the middle of nowhere just just yeah i don't know it would have really disrupted my life i think so anyway, I did that job for, I guess, like eight months until I found my current job, which I really enjoy. So now that I'm settled into this job... How long have you been there now? Let's see. It was April, so I guess about a year and a half at this point, a little over a year and a half. Yeah. But yeah, so now that I'm here, I I really like what I do, and I am happy with you know what I get paid. I, I can support the lifestyle that I like. I get to do fun things. I get to save up for the future and be responsible and all that. But I am pretty satisfied. Eventually, I'm sure I'll rise up through the through the ranks, eventually become a manager or whatever, you know, however many years from now. But I am pretty happy with my, you know, 40 hours a week. I come in, I, I try as hard as I can while I'm there. I do good work. I think my bosses are all really happy with that I put out. I come up with good ideas and I take on a lot of tasks that I don't necessarily have to take on just to, you know, try as hard as I can. But when my time is up, you know, I work the nine to five and then I, I go out and I, I live my life. I do a lot of hobbies. I hang out with my friends as much as I can. I just, I, I try and enjoy, I, I use work to support my life rather than trying to go all out with my work necessarily and spend more time there than I than I really have to. And I think the company that I'm at also lends itself to that. I think most people perform that way. There's not some expectation of, you know, working more than more than the 40 hours. They, they really prioritize work-life balance, which I value for sure. But I know that with your job, it seems like you, you know, you put a lot more into it and it does seem like you get a lot out of it. I, I know that you're, you're getting in front of important people and you're you're getting recognized for the hard work that you do, which I think is amazing. But it's just more, you put in a lot more hours than I do for sure. And I think you put a lot more of yourself into it. So I'm curious to see how you feel about, uh, you know, I, I, I value my time really highly. So I think it would be probably, well, two things. I think on one hand, it would be different if I was at a small company, like the company that you're at, where the whole vibe is work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. I also think that if I was at a smaller company, I might become disinterested that, like, not the reality that the ceiling was low, but maybe false perception that the ceiling might might be low at a smaller company versus I think Raytheon is, like, I this is probably low, but, like, 40,000 people or some ridiculously, wow. like large conglomerate yeah my com- my company is closer to 1000 for yeah. reference so. so you work at a much smaller company i work at a large corporation that is a conglomerate of three sub companies and the companies within those are also very large and the company that i work at right now has you know 200 plus executives and you can only imagine like how many people are under that tree and so I think for me the ceiling feels 
measurably higher and there's something to keep striving for and like working towards achieving I think it also comes back to the extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation that I get fulfillment from somebody else telling me that I'm doing a good job and it's really hard for me to go to bed at night and say you know what I'm proud of myself based on what I think I did not what somebody else has like said good job for Okay, so, yeah, I think when we were talking earlier, I assumed that you had more of the intrinsic motivation, but it sounds like you're saying you're more on the en- extrinsic side. Yes. Okay. I yeah, think that, that could be the main difference between us. I, As long as I feel like I did a good job and I gave it my all, I'm pretty happy. But maybe that's not yeah. how you feel all the time. No, I think that's not how I feel hardly any of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's I really think, interesting. I it's think just, it... Go ahead. <laughs> well... From my perspective, it seems like you really value your time. So, and I, I definitely value my time very, very highly. I'll go, I'll do a lot to to save some time or just, I don't know. But anyway, so, you know, you put in a lot more hours than I do. I'm, I'm sure you work at least like 50 hours a week probably. And I am curious about if you feel like that... 25% more work is more worth it to you than if you were to go a little bit lighter and enjoy other extracurriculars a little bit more potentially. I think, well, number one, Columbus, Georgia has a lot less to offer than Atlanta. So not that I work because there's nothing else to do, but it's just not glaringly obvious. Like it, it would be a higher level of effort to go do more fun things outside of work. But I also think that extra 25% also comes back to the company culture where high potential employees are working extra, are being rewarded, not for working more, but for their output, which, you know, requires a little bit more input. And I think that... So potentially, if, if you were to be offered a job at a place where the culture was a lot more chill, you know, just the 40 hours and then you're done... Maybe a lower ceiling and where you could go with it. How would you feel about that? I think I would still feel like I'm not doing enough. I not would sure. feel like like I can do better. This isn't enough. Like this, I, I, I have like a, this is, I've been working on this quite a bit over the last couple of years or so, like improving my own self-talk or like my own self-worth and how I measure that or check in on that. But I think there's still, you know, more than 50% of my self-worth comes from my surroundings or like the satisfaction of being enough, whatever that is. So I think that even if I was at a smaller company and they're like, oh, you're doing a great job. And the ceiling was maybe lower. I'd be like, okay, but am I? Like, I think I might distrust that more than that feedback coming from somebody who was, like, more senior in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, I kind of surprised myself when I graduated college because I always, you know, really, really pushed myself throughout high school, college to do the best I could, take on a bunch of extra things, just kind of challenge myself and... I still feel challenged at my job. I'm, I learn something new all the time, but I'm totally happy with just, you know, I don't, I don't see the need to, well, that's not even true. I don't know. Maybe it's just, it probably does come down a lot to the culture because I've definitely taken on a lot of tasks that a lot of my coworkers are not. Like there's a lot of like extra things that I am working on that no one else is working on. And I think you yeah, also I have a naturally larger bandwidth than like a large selection of peers probably so to you it's like less mental overload to go do those things and you see like the worth and the value of doing them I also think that our jobs are so different that you are really fulfilled with the type of work you're doing and that is like not that I'm not fulfilled with the type of work that I'm doing but you get to be creative every single day and really think about yeah, I see. You're saying, like, with, with fewer hours, I get a lot more, like, output, potentially? Like, I tangible think so. output, maybe? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, I get to... 
I get to design something and then I go out in the world and I see it and that's like a very direct thing. I don't have to really like strive for that. It just kind of happens by nature of the job. So I can see what you're saying. Yeah. And I do feel like I can take on a lot like I think your mental is, capacity is just higher. I was up to I was talking with a coworker of mine who is in the same role as I am. I was like, "Hey, are you doing okay? You seem kind of stressed." He's like, "Oh yeah, there's just a lot going on." I was like, oh, okay. I, got it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Whenever whenever I get really busy at work, I'm like, oh, this is great. This is exciting. There's so much to do. And like, it keeps it interesting and makes the days go quickly. Whereas my coworker was apparently feeling pretty stressed out when that was happening. Hmm. So that could be part of it. Like I can, I can take it on and, and still get it done in my time and then get out of there at five or whatever. I think also going back to what you mentioned earlier about reward for effort I think that it does seem like you are being rewarded like I hear about the the people that you talk to and the the meetings that you get invited to it seems like you are being recognized which I can definitely see as being very rewarding I'm just talking about like the stress piece of it like you you see all of this all of these extra things that you take on and the problems that you solve like you you also do Rubik's Cube, you know, you time yourself to do, like, speed Rubik's Cube, or you're interested in, like, other puzzles, and I think that you're, where was I going with this? Oh, I think that a lot of your drive, like, kind of like mom, just comes from curiosity and wonder and, like, excitement, whereas a lot of my drive comes from performance, and I think that's just, like, yes, we were raised very similarly, but I think those are very two distinct differences in how we were raised mm-hmm. what else do you want to talk about let's see that's most of what i had from before hmm. okay so we'll we'll make like a part two out of this and record another podcast maybe in the summer but the last question i have for you is if money was no object what would your perfect day look like my perfect day yes hmm. i want to go do something new i've been trying to do a lot of new things this year i went skydiving earlier this year which was pretty awesome i still have never been skiing i gotta go do that at some point but yeah i would want to don't do it no i know okay so all my friends are going skiing and they're super excited about it and i'm like everyone who i know who has ever been skiing ends up hurting themselves so i'm kind of terrified of it but i gotta do it at some point i would recommend trying snowboarding and wearing like wrist guards so is this a question you ask all your guests what their perfect day would be okay um okay so here's here's something totally different so one day in my life i want to go to a very very fancy hotel and stay the night and go to a very very fancy restaurant near that hotel or in that hotel and just be treated like i was an important person and have the full fancy dining experience and dress up really nice and and all of that um i want to do that at least once sometime in my life that sounds so fun why i don't know i just well i do i do really like dressing up and it's harder these days no one dresses up anymore yeah there's there are some speakeasies in atlanta where people still dress up so i like to go to that every now and then and it's it's fun to to you know look nice and yeah feel important for a night so yeah, so I, I want to go get that full luxury experience and just like all the customs and stuff like, you know, the high class manners and everything. It, it's cool to see and you don't really see that at all anymore. Not that I ever did as a kid growing up. Like I, I'm not from the 80s or whatever, but... Um, you mean the 1800s? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I think that would be fun to just like have that high class experience at some point and yeah. just see what it's like. That would be fun. Well, we will do a part two. Thank you for indulging me in a podcast conversation. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Good. (laughs)